God's loving presence in the midst of adversity. We have seen a great deal of adversity in our own personal lives and in the lives of people that we have come in contact with, too. Uh, last night was uh, our friend, and we've had, by the way, Lynn and I have covered, we've covered the Tri-County area this weekend. Um, Westlake, Friday night. Uh, Amherst, yesterday, uh, which is Lorain County. And now Summit County, back in Summit County with Akron. So we, we cover a little bit of ground. But yesterday we were in Amherst for the Celebration of Life ceremony for... Um, Brent, uh, who is our friend as well, too, and Kelly. Kelly is the wife. Remember, she's the one who lost her husband and her father in the course of about 30 days. And uh, so that was yesterday, and we had a, we had a good time with, at that event. Um, but everyone was reminded why the event was there. The event was there because uh, this great person, this guy who died uh, very recently, we all got together to celebrate his life. And uh, it was full of a lot of good conversation, uh, a lot of remembrances. Um, and unfortunately, what you find out, too, as you get older, too, a lot of people that you don't see a lot, you wind up seeing them a lot at funerals, or you wind up seeing them at these types of events, than people that you haven't seen for a long time. And that's typically what happens. You know, people, I, I almost hate to hear people say, we've got to get together at some other time. I heard this at, my, at a funeral that I went to for my, um, it was for... My aunt's mother. We've got to get together some other time. I'm like saying to myself, there's no way in the world we're going to get together with our lives the way they are. I'm saying that to my, in my head. I didn't say it out loud. But it's just not practical to say those things. And I know that you have the intent of doing so, but I'd rather be honest with it. I just know how busy I am, and I know that every, everything that I, I'm involved in has pretty much takes up all of my time. And the only time that we have to sit is late at night, before we go to bed. There's not much time to sit. Um, so, but the point is, is that I wanted to make, I'm sorry for going, getting off track a little bit. The times like this when we get together, sometimes it's only because of funerals, it's only because of these occasions where someone leaves us. Um, make the most of your time. Make the most of your uh, conversation. Be kind to other people. I think that's a good takeaway for what we were experiencing knowing that there was a lot of adversity that had taken place up until that point. Um, we are going to experience adversity. And in this particular lesson, we talked about how this adversity can be deemed as being unfair. The unfairness is what we see when we look at this pain. We went over in detail, um, for those who weren't here last time, we went over in detail about the whole idea that Johnny Erickson Tata uh, is, had cancer once again that returned. And for those of you who know who she is, she is a uh, very famous uh, woman in ministry, Christian ministry, and she is a quadriplegic. And so here's a quadriplegic who is now having to go through a cancer treatment once again and surgery, uh, even though it would already have been treated and was in remission. And it just seems like, boy, isn't there piling on going on here? Why would something like that happen to someone like Johnny Erickson Tata? And the thing we have to come back to and look at is that God is not unfair. We will perceive things as being unfair. But God is indeed a just 
God. That's what we have to take away from this particular exercise. Well, that's what we should take away. Now, I'm not going to make you do anything, but that's what we should take away, is that God is a just God. It's not about fairness. So that's something I want to make sure we understand. So there can be different interpretations of what is fair. Unfairness is often a matter of perspective. And on the top of page three, which is kind of where we left off last time, I asked the question in bold lettering, what in your life or in our world seems unfair to you? And if you were to sit and think about this, you could come up with all kinds of stuff about what's unfair. You know, you can, you can make a basic argument. Why did blacks have to come into this country in, under slavery? And you'll say, yeah, that's pretty unfair, isn't it? And we know that we are just one example of world slavery. There's been slaves all since the beginning of mankind. Slavery is nothing new. It's certainly a, a newer perspective to us because we are generationally much different than many people who lived thousands and thousands of years ago. But why would they have to go through slavery? Why was slavery even an issue? Well, slavery is an issue because we have an unfairness that is rooted in the flesh, fleshly behaviors. And why would God allow that to happen? You see? You see how all these things, this is, you, can, you can ask this question and you can cover hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands, of examples of unfairness. You may even have to go outside of yourself. You can look at your own life and say, why did I have to go through these particular things? It's just unfair that I had to do that. Well, those are your real, those are real perspectives. Those are real emotions. Those are real feelings. Unfairness is something we're going to experience. The second question we asked was, do you ever feel God isn't fair? And why or why not? And that's a tougher question because some people will may not even be truthful about answering that question. Why is that? Repeat the question, my question or this question. Why do you think some people might not answer that question honestly? That's right. But you nailed it 100%. Did you everybody hear what she said? Because we're having a question about God and we're questioning his level of fairness. And because of how we are raised and taught, we don't think that asking a question like that may be an appropriate question. Let me challenge you on something, though. You can ask God anything you want. And you can come to him with anything that you have. And you shouldn't hold back. And it's exactly why Pearl said, because he already knows what you're thinking. It's not like it's a big secret or a big mystery. It's better for you to be honest with yourself. Because that's what it comes down to. It's about being honest with yourself about this whole dialogue. 
if you think God is being unfair, you tell him that I think this is unfair. You're not going to get a lightning bolt coming back down to hit you when you ask that question or make that statement. He already knows how you feel. He knows all about you. It's better for you to be honest with yourself. And you can answer the question, yes, I think he's being fair, or, or no, I think he's being, or I, I think he's being unfair or fair, whatever it is. Go ahead. Yeah. It's not a sin to doubt. No. We have questions about certain mm-hmm. things. You know, but we don't want to admit, well, we don't want to admit a lot of things to other people. True. This is a one-on-one thing between you and the Lord, though. You're right. The main thing you can't see, he already knows. He already knows. He knows you're going to... You know, it's our job to continue to have faith in what he's saying and his word. I think the other flip side of what you're saying, too, is that we're ingrained, I think, as as part of our upbringing. What did he say? Yep. As humans, we kind of have been groomed uh, with these stigmas that this and that is not appropriate. Like you can't, you know. Yeah. You mumbling under your flow. You know, <laughs> so. I think all of us think that we just don't think it out loud. We don't think it out loud. That's right. Yeah. The point is, is that you need to be honest about how you're feeling about that. That's okay to do that. And that whole thing about doubt, we are going to doubt. You know why we're going to doubt? Because we're in the flesh. That is part of who we are. Now, I'm not saying that that's something that we should be carrying on and on and on. Doubt, we are challenged to make sure that we have faith. Faith is what counters the doubt. Faith is necessary. And remember, it's important for us to keep that faith at the forefront, even when we have problems of doubt. Without faith, you can't please the Lord. So faith is going to be necessary even in this whole discussion. You know, are you being fair? Are you being unfair? But Lord, I understand that you are in control of everything. I know you're in charge of everything. I know that there's nothing that gets past you. You know, these should be your ongoing prayers. Look, the Psalms are full of prayers. And they're full of prayers from people. They're writings about people who are going through all kinds of struggles. A lot of scuffling. And so you need to understand that those are guidelines even for us to understand that we too can scuffle. We should be scuffling because we're in the flesh. It's normal. It's something that's promised to us. We're going to have affliction. We're going to have struggles. We should be exercising our faith in order to get through our thought processes. Okay. Go ahead, I'm sorry. I think, and I can only speak for me, I think once we figure out that faith does not mean I know, faith does not even mean I feel it. Yep. Faith does not mean I see anything in the horizon that matches what I'm facing with or even trying to figure out. That's right. Then we understand that faith just simply means that I don't see it, I don't feel it, Lord. I ain't even liking it. And you don't have to like it. That's right. I'm just going to trust you 
That's right. Yep. That's what faith is. Exactly right. Very good. Yes. How you respond to the doubt. That's right. Yeah, this is like being angry. You can have a righteous anger, but we say be angry, but don't sin. So that's the same, very same approach. You're exactly right. Very good. Okay, so be honest with yourself about this. If you think he's being unfair, you need to be praying, for him, uh, praying to him to ask for guidance, comfort, understanding, whatever it is that you need to be able to get through those situations. Because we've all been through times or things that have been just downright unfair. Can't explain it. No explanation for it. Don't know why it's happening. We're talking about for yourself, for your family members, for people that you know. There ain't no way in the world that I can explain to our friend what happened over the last couple of months. We knew that people were sick. We didn't know that we were going to lose both of them in 30 days. There's no way in the world that I can explain that. And I won't even try to. Because there's, just, it's, there's no answer for that. Okay. We did a reading of Matthew 20, uh, verses 1 through 7. I want to give uh, another shout-out to Brother Beecher because he was ready to go jump ahead in the lesson. But we're going to go ahead back to that real quick, just as a refresher course. Go to Matthew chapter 20. This is the, um, the section that we read about the talents. And we're not going to cover the whole thing, but it just as a reminder as what we were looking at. We were talking about laborers who were working in the field, and some laborers were called out uh, by the, um, uh, the master of the house, one of the laborers for his vineyard, got, went out and got some in the morning, went out and got some in uh, the third hour, went out and got some more around the sixth and the ninth hour, and they all were being charged or paid a denarius for their work for the day. And that's what we covered in verses 1 through 7 of Matthew chapter 20. Okay. So we know that they were hired for one denarius for the day. And we also know that the additional workers were promised, what, in verse 4, whatever is deemed right. So we were to circle those two points on the handout. So we hired more laborers and sent them into the vineyard, verses 5 through 7. Now that you know the story, not all the laborers did the same work, but they all got paid the same. Does this seem unfair to you? And the answer is yes, of course it does. This is the thing I'm talking about. We need to say if something is unfair, it's unfair. If someone is working all day long and gets a denarius, and if somebody shows up and works for an hour or two and gets a denarius, there's a lack of fairness in that. Based upon what we understand about wages and how you're paid. You're paid by an hourly wage if you're working. And you're working, you're paid based upon the work you do. A person who works 30 hours a week is not going to make the same amount as a person who works 40 hours a week. That person who works 30 hours a week automatically gets 75% of 100%. The other one gets 100%. That's how we understand payments and wages. So it's unfair. You just say it. It's not fair. It's okay to say that. 
Jennifer Rossow says, yeah, it does to me. Seems unfair to her too. It's okay. So put yourself in the worker's place. How would you feel if it happened to you? Knowing what we know, you'd be saying, dang, how come I'm only getting a denarius? I'm there all day long. And these folks showed up, they get a denarius too? I don't want to put words in your mouth. But how would you feel? I mean, it's, it's the same thing. Yes. I think that's the foundation. And any other foundation is, is inadequate. You're correct. However, I must point out, you still have to counter, you have to circle people back to the scripture. You're right. But we're dealing with real feelings, though. Well, the real thing is this. Yep. That what he's talking about was joy. Right. Yep. That's true. And the boss was there when he was dealing with them. That's right. But now, I thought about, uh, is in Numbers here, you talk about fairness. Okay. Number 27, in dealing with a complaint. Okay. Okay. Okay, you're going to The only one that received his inheritance was his son. Okay. These women say that's not fair. Okay. And I and I'm twenty-seven chapters. Yep. Yeah, and you're gonna and you're gonna have all the women looking at you funny today too. Well I'm just telling I'm you just that's I'm preparing I'm prepared I'm preparing you for that too. That's the way it is. <laughs> okay. No, that's that that's a good example. Okay. 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 Yep. Okay. That's right. Yep. That's exactly right. Now that that example is a better example for our practical use here. Because ultimately that is what comes down to God being just in how he sees his people. We know for a fact that there have been a number of deathbed confessions. People who lived their entire lives who were not following the Lord, but God had to break them down to the point where they recognized they were in serious trouble. That's what happens. Yeah. That's fine. Yes. That's another good example. Yes. 
And that's the whole point of this whole thing about the thief on the cross. It's grace. That's all it is. Something that we are is completely beyond our scope of understanding. We can only practice it. We know about it because we know our God has that. Because what we're going to do the rest of this lesson is we're going to look at God's character. That's what we need to see here as a takeaway from all of this so that you're aware. Well, I don't know if they'll say it out loud, but, but they'll say something, yes. It's like, how in the world? Uh, oh, no, no, I'm not going to do that. You were, okay, all right, let's bring it back in. Lynn's, Lynn, make, go ahead, hon. Yeah. Like you're getting more yes. than you're getting. I've gotten more than you've gotten. I'm better than you. You're better than me. You think you're better than me. I think I'm better than you. Mm-hmm. When people focus on the grace of God and what He's done for them and the gratitude, mm-hmm. and quit worrying about what somebody else got or didn't get. Or that's right. That will keep your focus straight. But that's why the Paul says, "Fix your eyes on Jesus." That's right. When you fix your eyes on the other person, then you're going to get into all your ugly feelings about, well, that's not fair. Or I did more. How come he showed up at mm-hmm. you know the last hour and he got the same thing I got to do mm-hmm. all day? Which leads to a bigger question about jealousy and envy. Jealousy and envy are what gets you to start talking about other people's stuff. So and so is doing much better than I am. How come I can't be like so and so? It's not fair. So we really are getting into a bigger issue, aren't we? It really is about paying attention to what other people are doing and not really focusing on what the Lord has done specifically for you and how he's taking care of you. You know, that is something I had to tell someone a long time ago. You need to quit looking at what other folks are doing. This was a true thing. Stop looking at what other people are doing. Why are you worried about what other people are doing? You have your own thing going. You've got stuff going on. You have something that a lot of people don't have. Why are you looking at what other folks are doing? But you're so busy paying attention to other people, you're basically diminishing yourself in your own mind. You had your hand up, Arella. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah. You don't. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's a blessing that when, when your kids get it and they understand and they start living the life that they are living because they believe in themselves, that's all you can ask as a parent. I mean, that's all you want. Just, just do what you do. It doesn't matter what anybody else is doing. It's not about fairness or unfairness. You know, when you start getting caught up in what other people think, well, you know, so-and-so ain't treating me well, so-and-so ain't doing this, you know what, that shouldn't stop you. You don't let that stop you. That's the thing we need to also understand here, too. Go ahead, I'm sorry. Immaturity in faith. Yeah. 
All of us. That's right. That's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's when you are really going to be your best in Christ. When you are truly focused on what He has for you. When you know what your purpose is, you're going to be best, the best example of a Christ-like person you can be. That's a promise, because that's all he wants for you. He wants your relationship with him to grow and strengthen, and your faith to grow and strengthen, in spite of adversity. In spite of it. Okay. Go ahead, yes. 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 Whatever is right. That's what he's confirming. That's exactly right. The denarius is what's right. That's the. That's right. Yeah. That's exactly right. Pearl just called. It was a salary contract. Yeah. That's right. That is true. That's, that's what you get. That's right. Yes, that's right. It's fair. That's right. I mean, I don't want to get into the, the discussion, to your point, about, you know, we have a contract with God. That's not the point of this. Right? It's not about that at all. Because ultimately, we, we need to understand that he is going to be faithful to us for the purposes of what the situations that we're in. He's faithful. He has been faithful. And also, too, just since you guys are talking about this thing about the 40 hours a week or 80 hours a week, it's not about overtime. It's not about overtime. This was not an overtime issue. They worked day to the end of the day. That was it. Not overtime. It was the time that was designated for that day to do to harvest the grapes. That was it. So it's not about, well, I should have got more because I worked overtime. No, you didn't work overtime. I'm just, I'm just throwing that in there for those you who know, want to pick it apart a little bit. Not overtime. You work for a certain amount of time, that's what you get paid. Go ahead, I'm sorry. Yes. Oh, we've beaten it to death already. Well, it's a battle. Yeah. Right. It's not going to be easy. Very true. All right. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> That's right. That's the bottom line.
Okay. He wanted to jump on him. I mean, he better not jump on this guy. Uh, and so he left. But what he came to, this was that man's orchard. This was that man's field. This was that man's way. What he had to do was go out and get something for himself and stop depending on someone who you didn't have a contract Okay. Very good. So what you're saying was that it was a lesson for him to say, well, this wasn't my stuff, this was somebody else's, but and you go and take care of myself. It was a motivating thing yeah. that caused him to do what he did, and he risked it Okay, very good. It was a launching pad. Okay, so, disrespected, slighted, and frustrated, just a few of the feelings I would have had if that had happened to me. We just want to be treated fairly, don't we? What do you think it means to be fair? The dictionary defines fair as marked by impartiality and honesty without self-interest, prejudice, or favoritism. At first thought, the wage situation doesn't seem fair because all the workers weren't treated equally, but my friend, fairness and equality are not synonymous. Fairness and equality are not synonymous. Now that might make you bristle a little bit, but let's keep going on here. We must guard ourselves against the misnomer of determining God's fairness based on what we perceive as equal treatment. And we've already thrown out examples of that in our own conversation about this whole thing. The thief on the cross. Great example. Great discussion. The thief on the cross who knew he was a thief, who knew he deserved to die for his crimes who recognized Jesus as being the Messiah and understood what was going on because he knew he was going to be leaving there. That's basically a deathbed confession. Deathbed confession. And guess what? He's going to be with us. That's the bottom line. We are always prayerful Look, we've, we've seen enough people we know, they go through their whole lives, they're just wasting their lives, or doing whatever they're doing, thinking they're doing something, they're really not doing anything. And then we pray for that person to come to know the Lord. And we just keep praying, we don't stop praying for it. And aren't we joyful when that person makes a decision for Christ? It's the same thing as if you make that decision for Christ when you're 18 years old. It's the same feeling. You know why? Because it's in our character. God has put something in us to understand how important that really is. And of course we're going to rejoice. We see it. We understand it. We know what is at stake. We know what it means to have that happen. The prodigal son's another good example. The prodigal son didn't deserve to be welcomed back. 
But the father took him back anyway. Remember, he spent all his inheritance. He was partying all over the place. Wasted all his money. Wound up messing around with the hogs. And <laughs> he went from here to here. And yet, both of those examples, by the way, the father welcoming the son back in, that's an example of Jesus and us. That's what it is. That's Jesus dealing with us as people. So now, let's go further. I've met people who have been healed, yet I have not been healed. This is Jennifer Rothschild speaking. Does that mean God isn't fair because he hasn't treated all his children equally when it comes to healing? What if the real question isn't, is God fair? What if we should be asking, is God just? Here is a potentially radical thought. What appears to be unequal treatment can be just. You get that? What appears to be unequal treatment can be just. When you consider your circumstance, do you feel God is treating you with inequality? Can inequality be just? If you go down in Matthew, 28, verse, Matthew 20, verse 11, the workers grumbled against the owner because they thought they weren't treated equally. If the morning workers had based their response on the master's justice rather than their view of fairness, they wouldn't have grumbled. And once again, what is it? They're looking at what other people were doing. They're looking at other circumstances when they were in a contract. And one of the things that rankles me personally is when you look at players in sports, and you know, we're talking about a whole different world of perspective, but they have large contracts. And sometimes a player will say, I don't like this contract. And so therefore, I'm not going to play for X number of games or whatever it is as I made a protest because I want a new contract. Well, hold on a second. You signed a contract. Now, what example are you, you know, before you sign the contract, you've got to make sure everything's right. Now, some may not agree with my position. I fully understand that because they're looking at it from a standpoint of fairness and equity. And many contracts today have to go by fairness and equity based upon what other players are making. I get that. But I'm sorry, you still signed a contract. So you have to make a decision. Am I going to play out my contract and then I can be a free agent or whatever it is later on and go and sign for more money somewhere else? Or am I just going to just try to stop the show? We have to come back and look at what is just, ultimately. And sometimes it comes down to the fact that you're blessed to have a contract to be able to do what you do for a living. Because that's what it comes down to. Because not many people can do what you're doing. And I don't expect everybody to agree with me. That's just my viewpoint. But when you have a contract, that's a contract. You may not like it. A woman, how many of you remember this, uh, the 60 Minutes episode? This was years ago, and this had to do with uh, a local 
uh, group of people that were being interviewed when, the, when the, the market bottomed out, and they were over at Cinema Park. Cinema Park is up in Warrensville Heights, and they actually did a 60 Minutes episode about people whose, they were paying so much money, their houses were worth half of what they were paying in value because of the, the market crashing. And the one woman that they talked to who was being interviewed said, you know what? It is what it is. I made a contract to pay this amount of money for my mortgage. I'm not going to lose my house, even though it's worth half of what I'm paying right now. But I made a contract. And she was right. You don't have to like it, but you, got, but you have to... You, you, what are the consequences if I don't pay? I'm either going to keep this house or lose. A lot of people just let their houses go. I got that. I understand that. But she's looking at it from the standpoint, I made a contract. This is the contract I have. Now, since that time, the houses have rebounded in value. We're we're back up to where we are now, and there's actually growth now taking place in 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 that area, that complex. We used to drive by it all the time. That's just the way things go. Okay. However, rather than focusing on the word of the master, and this is going back to the workers again, they focus on the worth of the men's work. They compared. In your difficult situations, have you ever compared your circumstance to others' pain? If so, what was the result? That, I have to think about that for a minute. You ever compared your circumstances to others' pain? Well, usually when I'm in pain, I don't think about other folks. That's just me. All I know is I'm in pain. All I know is I'm scuffling. I don't really look at what other people are doing. And when you're in your worst, you're really upset. You're really angry about your own situation. I don't make comparisons personally. I just know that I want to get relief. Amen? I mean, that's just my perspective. But, you know, some people, maybe they think that way. Maybe when... You compare your pain to other things. It does become the biggest thing in your life. I hold it up to others and focus on me, myself, and why. Comparing is a deeply subjective measure of fairness, and it leads to resentment, self-pity, anger, and all sorts of other damaging reactions. When we contemplate the question of fairness, it is usually a self-centered inquiry because we ask, is this fair to me? When we ask the question of justice, is it a God-centered inquiry? Is God right in all his ways? Well, the answer is God is right in all his ways. He is just in all his ways. And when we come back to it, we recognize that if it wasn't for him, I would be lost. Yes. Look at Job. We said that earlier in the lesson too, yep. But I would say did you really understand the circumstances? Did you read it? Absorb it? That Job was going through. Yep. Did you read in the Bible? Mm-hmm. 
right. That's right. That's true. Yep. Yes. That's right. Yep. But it's just is it that it is. Yeah. Yeah. And we have a right to ask. We absolutely should be asking. We should be talking to God about this stuff all the time. But we're not doing it because we're saying, so-and-so got so much more than I did, how come I didn't get it? Or so-and-so is being treated a certain way, how come I'm not being treated that way? Is that fair? I'm going to get you, and then I'll come back over here. I'll get you, Arella. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. He doesn't have to have that. That's right. And God knew exactly about those dead best confessions. These people had to scuffle their whole lives and finally be taught something, but they had to be put in a place where they could no longer do anything to fight. You see that? Now, for those of you who know the Lord, you're blessed because you didn't have to go through all that. But they had to go through it. And we need to understand that. So, the real question in Jesus' story was the master just... Look at Matthew 20, 13. I know we're done, too. It says, but he replied to one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Verse 14 says, take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last worker as I give to you. I choose to give to this last worker as I give to you. That's a choice that God has made. Guess what? He doesn't care how long we've been believers. He just cares that we're believers. That's what he, he's choosing to give grace under all circumstances. And that's what he can do. That's what Ronnie's point is. He, it is what he chooses to do. It's his choice. I'm glad he's making that choice. Because that choice is rooted in his grace. Amen. And he does give us a choice too. That's right. We've, been, we've chosen to live our lives a certain way too. Yep. Yes. We certainly have. Yep. That's right. That's right. That's right. And then I ask you, 
Yep. Oh boy. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Make sure. Yeah, that's right. All right, we're going to have to stop here. We'll pick up and finish this off and have a new lesson next week as well, too. But you see the question there, did the master lie? No, he didn't lie. He did exactly what he said he was going to do. That's the thing we need to take away when we look at Jesus Christ. He's not lying to us. He is being just with us. And, and that's in light of the choices that we have been making. We need to understand that, too. Okay. Father, we thank you for this time that you've given us to sit and discuss this whole thing about fairness. And we recognize that fairness is not something that you really want us to look to. You really would rather have us look directly at you in relationship to our own lives and recognize that, indeed, you are a just God. Thank you for helping us to, teach, uh, helping us to understand that very thing. Thank you for helping us to develop our relationship. And Lord, you don't get on our case for asking you questions. You challenge us to ask. You challenge us, as Ronnie has mentioned in Matthew 7, 7, to ask, seek, and knock. You want us to ask these questions. You already know our hearts. You already know our thoughts. We thank you for helping us to see that even more clearly today as well, too. We pray now for the upcoming message and the speaker. We give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. We'll see you next time.